Again, if you're just joining us uh, through midway through the service online, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and I'm glad uh, that we are in the Lord's house together. Uh, even if you're online, you're here with us, and we're thankful for it. And uh, I just want to come down to this time where we open the Word of God. So thankful for the Word of God and, and all that it does for us. It teaches us, it equips us, it challenges us, it convicts us. And we're now at this point where we're continuing in our study of the book of Acts. And as you know, we've taken the book of Acts over these last several weeks, and we're breaking the book of Acts down into mini-series. And so we're taking a, an entire view, verse by verse, through the book of Acts. And we're doing that for a long haul, so we'll take a break at Christmas, and then we'll come back to it next year. But as we're going through this, we're, we're breaking it down into these mini-series. And this first mini-series that we've been going through has been called Faith on Fire. Because what we've witnessed over the opening pages, of the opening chapters, opening verses of the book of Acts, is how the early church began. How Jesus gave the, the calling right before he ascended to let them know that you're going to be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to go out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And you need to go now. Go do that now. Go as you wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Once he has come, you're going to go. You're going to move forward. And fulfilling the Great Commission, fulfilling the mission that I have given you. Last week, we concluded Peter's sermon. We concluded Peter's sermon at Pentecost, where as Peter was preaching, he was at the beginning proclaiming and, and pointing to these prophecies of the Messiah. And then last week, we covered the fact that he pointed to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We covered those things. And now we're at this little, little blurb right there at the end of chapter 2 before we continue into chapter 3. Which, by the way, as we open up into next week, that, that little mini-series will be called Faith Empowered. Because you're going to see how it continually grows, how their faith grows, how the Lord is empowering them as they proclaim the gospel. But today, we look at this little passage, these little bit of verses, 42 through 47. And I've entitled the message today, A Healthy Church on Mission. A healthy church on mission. But before we get into that, I want to point out to you that if you do want to give, continue to the mission of the church, you can do that at the conclusion of our service, or you can give at homesavenue.com forward slash give. Now, back to the message. A healthy church on mission. And I think as we read these verses, you're going to see exactly why that is titled that, because we're going to see how the early church devoted themselves to many different things as they pursued themselves on the mission that God had called them to. I hope you found that passage, and if you would, for one more time, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. The Word of God says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching." and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the time of worship we've had so far, Lord, to cry out to you in song, 
to proclaim, Lord, that, that it's You who we lift our eyes to. Knowing, Lord, that, that we are broken people, but we are gracefully broken because You have shown Your grace and Your mercy to us through the finished work of our King, Jesus Christ. Father, now as we open Your Word and we, we sit and listen to the proclaiming of it, Lord, I pray that, that You would be with me as I proclaim it, Lord, that I would get out of the way, that You would be glorified, that You would speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask You to move at this time and, and speak to hearts today. Lord, just as I prayed earlier, I pray, Lord, for distractions to be minimized. And again, I pray for Pastor Eric as he's in the pulpit right now as well. Be glorified, O oh God. We love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. In this passage today, we're going to see how Luke, you remember, Luke is not only written the, the gospel of Luke, but the book of Acts is part two, if you will, of his writings. And he's writing and he's describing how a healthy body of believers are living their lives on mission. And he's doing so based on what he's writing about the early church. And if you're taking notes, I pray you are. You can jot this down for the first one. It'll be on the screen but as we look at these things about the early church, there was a devotion, as I said. And the first devotion we see is a devotion to the Word of God. Devotion to the Word of God. Now, as you're looking at the screen, you may see that it says verse 42a and 43. I'm doing that for a specific reason. We're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit as we go verse by verse through this passage today. But this first part of, of 42a, it reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We see following the events of Peter's sermon at Pentecost, this growing body of believers. Remember last week, the very last thing that we read, the very last thing that we touched on, that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. After Peter proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah, 3,000 came to faith. And we see how they are now beginning to live their lives on mission together with one another in fellowship. The first part of verse 42, 42a, as I said, shows us one of those first priorities. The very first priority being that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to hearing the Word of God taught. This is a critical truth for us to understand because the teachings of the apostles were authoritative because the teachings were given via power of the Holy Spirit. It was the point where these apostles had, who had seen the risen Lord, we talked about how just the second week of this series actually, when Matthias was chosen to replace Judas, there were those 12 apostles, one of the requirements, they had to have seen the risen Lord. And these apostles are teaching, they're proclaiming, and we see here that they are devoted, the people that are there, they are devoted to the apostles' teaching. It's the same thing that happens like what's happening right now. In churches all across our city, in churches all across Park Circle, in churches all across the globe, as one man stands in a pulpit and proclaims the Word of God, the flock that has been called to hear that Word in that moment is sitting there devoted to hearing what the Word is being said. This is a critical moment, church, where the Holy Spirit is at work. This is not just a moment where Brian gets up here or Walter, if Walter's preaching, and we have this moment where we just give you a talk. This is a moment that God has ordained for the pulpit to be filled and the Word of God, His living and active Word, to be proclaimed. And to not only be proclaimed, but to be heard. 
And to take what we hear and listen as the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us and gives us the notions of the things that we are to listen to and to take and apply to our lives. The important thing to remember is that as we are doing this, as you are sitting and listening to the word proclaimed, it cannot be done apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is moving and working in this moment. It is empowering us in the preaching moment. It is empowering what is being happening when we have other things that happen on the campus and you're sitting and you're hearing the Word of God taught. It is a powerful moment where the Holy Spirit is working. We see elsewhere in Scripture where one example in particular, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says this, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching." Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's very important that Paul is pointing this out to young Timothy. As he's telling Timothy, establish elders in your church. Establish these things you need to do. Prepare yourself. He's telling him to point to the truth of the matter. Make sure that you are watching your teaching. Make sure that the things that is coming out of your mouth is sound doctrine. It is sound doctrine. And I encourage you guys, looks like I would encourage you any other week, anybody watching online, if you hear something that is said when it's being taught, whether it's by me, whether it's by Pastor Walter, whether it's by somebody else, whether you go and visit somebody else's church and you hear something, you're like, eh, I don't sound right. Ask, what is that? There is nothing wrong with asking because you want to make sure that sound doctrine is being taught. One of the convictions on my life is that I would stand here before you making sure that everything that I proclaim to you is given to me by the Holy Spirit of God and not by myself. Because if it's given by myself, you're in a world of trouble. The Holy Spirit must guide and I must listen. We must be devoted to the teaching. We also must note that this devotion to the teaching, as I said a moment ago, it's the first thing that Luke mentions. The very first thing that he mentions. And I don't think this is by mistake. I don't. I believe that Luke, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, as he pins this, God is making it clear to him, make sure they know that the early church, when they gathered, the very first thing that we must point out that they were devoted to was the teachings of the Scriptures. Because if we point out anything else, we show that the scriptures are not primary. They are not the first thing that's a priority in our life. The reality is what? That the word of God must be the authority in our life. The word of God must be looked at, as scripture says, as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that will cut through bones and marrow. The Word of God should be held as what it is, God's holy Word that has been preserved through thousands of years. Still, today, 2021, centuries after century, the Word of God is still being proclaimed and it is still God's Word. Still God's Word. Therefore, it must have primary point in our life before anything else the Lord God and his word should be first and foremost even before our family loved ones friends jobs you name it the word of God must have a primary place in your life 
We must be devoted to it, and we must be devoted to the teaching of it. There must be a dependence upon the Word of God for this life. Because if we're going through this life and we are not following the Word of God, and we're going by our own uh, thinking, our own, uh, own knowledge that we have, we are fallible humans. We are people that are dying. We are people that are sinful. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God has authority in our life, and we should depend upon it. I love the way Tony Morita writes in his commentary on the book of Acts. And I, and I must give him credit. Some of, the, some of these little points of what I'm, I'm pointing out today, I, I took and I just phrased the wording a little bit because I thought it was just so rich. Listen to what he says in this. In this spirit-filled congregation, the people didn't abandon study of the word because the spirit was at work. If you're walking in the fullness of the spirit, you will be drawn to the Bible. All true spiritual awakenings involve healthy teaching from it. So one of the convictions are that we must be devoted to the word of God and the word of God must be taught just as God has written it to be taught. We must be in fear of the Lord, a holy reverent fear. God, this is your word and I know that I must stand and give an account for it one day when I stand before you. Therefore, I'm going to teach your word to the very best of the ability that you have given me empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because I know and I trust that if God is going to move and work, there must be true biblical teaching happening and there must be a devotion to the word by his people. There has to be. We can look around our sanctuaries. We can look around our sanctuary today. And y'all got me like everybody's over here and everybody's over here. There's only a few of y'all in the middle. But we look around and we're like, man, it's a smaller crowd. Ain't nothing going on in that church. No, God is moving and God is working in this church. We baptized somebody last Sunday. And we got another one we're going to baptize soon. God is living and active in his word. God is living and moving and working in his church. We must be devoted to the word of God. We must be devoted to it. This leads me to point out a simple concept, but sometimes it's very a difficult thing to engage in reality. If we are to grow and thrive in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and hope to see our church grow, as I just mentioned, and thrive and make disciples of every man, woman, and child in our circle of accountability that we've been called to, like we talk about week after week, we have got to be devoted to the teaching of the Word of God and the studying of God's Word. That does not mean that y'all just come in here on Sunday and you sit ready and eager with your journals open to write down the things that we teach. You close the journal back up with your Bible and you put it back on the shelf until next Sunday. We have got to be opening this daily and saying, God, I have breath in my lungs that you've given me for today. I can't make it through this day without a dependence on you and without a dependence on your word. So, Father, I have got all this stuff going on in my life. I am drowning in the effects of the things that are going on in my life today. But, Lord, I'm going to give you these next 20 minutes. Please speak to me through your word. Give me something to thrive on today. I guarantee you, if you beg him and ask him, he will give it to you. I've told you this before, but there have been times as I've been studying the word of God, 
that I will wake up or take the time when I, when I have the time to set it aside and I'm reading the word of God and I read through it. And I'm like, I've prayed beforehand and I've asked God to show me something and I get through it and I'm like, man, I got nothing. What is going on? And I got to check myself, make sure, Lord, is there anything that, that I have not confessed before you or anything like that? Is there something I need to repent of? Is there something I need to give to you? And I've done all that. There's still, I still don't feel like I've got anything in that moment. It wasn't this divine, like, boom, this happened. All right, well, I've tried my best to study. I'm going to spend time in prayer, and I'm going to go about doing what I need to do today. And I'll be darned if within the next two hours, something doesn't happen in the day, and it's like God's like, hello, do you remember what you studied with me this morning? Isaiah 55 is in the Bible for a purpose and a reason. You can write that down. The word of God does not return void. What goes out, it will come back not returning void. So as we study the word of God, in those moments when we're like, man, I got nothing here in this moment, hold tight because God will give it to you right when you need it. There's a specific example if you want to see in your, in your Bibles, you can, you can jot this down. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8 for the entirety of the passage for a full context. But I'm going to read one verse to you from Nehemiah 8, 3. Listen to this. This is talking about Ezra standing before the people. All this stuff is going on with the, the rebuilding of the temple. And Ezra stands before the people and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Don't miss what just happened there in that passage. Ezra goes and stands before the people. The people are all gathered. They're not sitting in a comfy pew for a moment. They're not sitting in a nice chair. Some of them may be sitting, but they're sitting on the hard ground. The majority of them are standing from midday, from morning, excuse me, to midday. Hours just to hear the word of God read. Those people are devoted to hearing the law, to hearing God's word. Wow. Such a devotion to the word of God. My heart's desire for our church is that we would be like that. I'm not saying that we're not there. I think we can always improve. But each and every one of us that we would wake up daily and say, man, I can't wait to open my Bible. I can't wait to be in the Word of God and to spend time with Him and to hear from Him today. Instead of, man, I got this, 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 and this to do today. God, if I can get to it, I'll get to it. No, let's change our priority. Those other things are trivial things. Yeah, they may be good. They may be things that you got to do for your job or something like that. I'm not saying ignore your work. But I can guarantee, I can guarantee, I will take this guarantee to the bank. There are things in our days that we can put aside. Other things that we can put aside and give the Lord at least 30 minutes. For goodness sakes, he died for us. Verse 43, 
I'll come back to the other parts of 42 in a minute. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We see how the power of the word of God being taught and the devotion to it, it brought awe upon every soul. Many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. It's a powerful testimony of the truth, of the teaching of the word of God, and the proclaiming of the gospel. In doing so, it brought validation to the teaching that was being proclaimed. The word of God will not return void. I could stand before you right now and just read the passage for today, say, I'm done, close my Bible and walk down, and the Lord will still use that because it's his word and it will not return void. Second thing, they had a devotion to one another. A devotion to one another. Let's jump back to 42 for a minute. B and C, if you will, the, the two middle sections. We've already said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then it says the fellowship and the breaking of bread. The fellowship and the breaking of bread. This fellowship, I love this. You, we, we see when we see that word fellowship, it comes from the word koonia which means fellowship, participation, generosity, a gift. Now, we as Baptists see the word fellowship and we get excited, do we not? I'm telling you, as, as a heavier set guy, like we see fellowship, we've got our fellowship hall, we know what goes down in the fellowship hall, right? Pre-COVID, Mr. Ed was throwing down once a month. We're going to get back to that. Come on, Lord, please. We know what a fellowship is. We look at that through the lens. We're like, man, that's great. It's a time for us to sit around the table and love one another and hear from one another and, and, and just spend time eating. But the beauty of the description of what is happening among the earlier church, the early church, goes deeper than just eating together. Now, one of the reasons you see the Lord's Supper stuff up here before you today is because we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in a few minutes when I get done. The beauty of what is happening here is, yes, they're spending time and they're eating together during a fellowship as they're fellowshipping day by day. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they're also partaking in the Lord's Supper together. This breaking of the bread, this time together. The early church was devoted to one another. They were united via the fact that they were believers, that they were Christ followers. And as Christians, church, we have fellowship with God the Father and Christ the Son as we see in 1 John 1.3, which reads, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship, don't miss this, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We had this fellowship with the Father through Jesus. Therefore, we enjoy fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not just friends. We are family. We are family, church. So many different stories, so many different backgrounds, yet God brings us all together as members of his family, brothers and sisters, because of what Jesus has done for us. I mentioned Dr. Marita to you earlier 
in his commentary, he highlights these one another passages in the New Testament, and it's a long list. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send it out via email, and I forgot to print copies to give to you this morning, but I'll print those and I'll make sure that they're available to us. But I will email it out to you. If you don't have my email or don't receive the email, I'll give it to you. I'll be happy to. But we see that he gives these one another's. And there's so many examples throughout the New Testament of these one another's, this way of caring for one another, bless you, these ways of loving and participating and being together with each other. There's something very important to point out regarding this devotion to one another that they had. And is that the early church demonstrated they were here for today, excuse me, <clears throat> the early church demonstrated and it's something for us here today as members of this local body of believers at Holmes Avenue to consider. We get to spend time with one another. We don't just have to do stuff with each other. As I said a minute ago, we are family. We are part of the family of God. We better enjoy spending time together because we're going to be hanging out with each other for eternity, right? It's reality. We get to do this. We get to love one each other, care for each other, provide for each other. And I know we have guests today, but, but hear me. God in his divine providence has called each of us to his church to be part of his family. We are not here just to receive, and that's it. We are here to come alongside one another, caring for one another, and bear the burdens of each other, just as Paul says in Galatians 6.2. We are to love and care for one another. If you have a need, your brothers and sisters come alongside of you and help you with that need. If you are hurting, your brothers and sisters come alongside of you and they lift you up. If you have fallen into sin, your brothers and sisters come alongside of you to help you as you are restored. That is what the early church did. That is what a healthy body of believers should do. We are members of Christ's body and have covenanted together for the sake of gospel ministry. Therefore, we are more than just friends and acquaintances. We are used by God for his glory to be on mission and to care for one another. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Because of their devotion to one another, they had all these things in common. They were living life on life. They were spending time together. They were in the trenches together. It was not just a surface level thing. It was something that they did every single day. They loved each other. Well, Brian, that's too close. In a COVID world, I can see why you say that. But being devoted to one another is a God-called thing for his people to do. The third thing, there was a devotion to prayer. A devotion to prayer. 42D, the very last part, and I'll just read the entire verse of 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And the prayers. Now this can certainly imply both of the, the gathered time of worship when they went to the temple, but also the time of individual prayer and even time when they were going home to home and spending time together. They were devoted to praying for one another. As we continue in the book of Acts, you're going to see within the next couple of weeks, prayer is used powerfully 
in the book of Acts. It's a wonderful model to us of a devotion to it. I firmly believe that, that we wouldn't see what had taken place through the book of Acts had there not been a devotion to prayer. Because there was a dependence on God, as I've already said. The early church didn't have much. They didn't have tons of resources. Today, any church can call up the SBC and say, hey, I need resources for this, this, and this. Sure, you can have this, this, and this. Here you go. It'll be emailed to you. It'll be mailed to you by tomorrow. We'll send it out. We can get resources out the wazoo. The early church didn't have a ton of resources. What they had was a devotion to the Word of God, a devotion to fellowship, a devotion to one another, and a devotion to prayer. And they trusted God, and they knew that God would provide, and so they leaned on that, and that is all they needed. That is all we need. Which leads me to ask the question, much just like I have with these other points. How is our prayer life, church family? I've asked, do you have a devotion to the Word of God? Are you devoted to one another? But how's your prayer life? If we're not praying, can we expect to see God move in and through us? Because here's the thing. A lack of prayer, this is going to sound harsh. A lack of prayer points to a lack of trust. A lack of prayer points to a lack of trust because it says, God, I know that you're sovereign. I know that you're in control, but I got this. I don't need to come before you with this. I don't need to bring this before you. I'll handle it. If that's our mindset and that's what we're doing, tell me how that's going for us. Got the mirror up right here. <laughs> Preaching to myself too. It's reality. We must be devoted to prayer. We must be devoted to it because we must say, Lord, we need you. We need you. We trust you. Therefore, we ask that you move and work through this. Since last July, when we had those three baptisms out here on the side lawn, We've been praying for 21. It, was, it wasn't just a fun number. We, we had the baptism t-shirts, so we had 21 of those left over. We said, you know what? Let's just do that. Let's just ask God to move and work through us through this pandemic and just ask God to save souls. Lord, we're praying for 21. And there were times where I kept forgetting to repeatedly bring it before you. And I repent of that, and I'm sorry. But we have since been praying for it. We've been asking God again, Lord, we beg you, save souls. And as that has been an attentive thing and a focus, besides a teaching of the Word of God and a devotion to that, and staying in tune with sound doctrine and pointing to that, we've been asking God, Lord, please build the community amongst our family. Lord God, save souls. person was baptized last Sunday. Another one's going to be baptized soon. We trust that the Lord is going to move and work through us and give us opportunities to proclaim the gospel. And we trust that the Lord is going to continue to answer those prayers. I want to encourage you, if you're not praying that and asking God to be saving souls, ask God to save souls, please. And not just so that we can go around and boast and say, hey, we had two people baptized. No, 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 no. 
so that we can say, hey, look what we can't do, but look what God did. This is nothing in our own power and our own strength. This is a work of God. We are begging you, Lord, save souls. Because here's the thing. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. If we are devoted to prayer and we're asking God to do these things, what happens to us? That trust in the Lord continues to manifest. It continues to grow. It continues to remind us, I can't do this in my own strength. I need you and you alone fully. So Lord, change my heart, oh God. And renew a right standing within me, just as Pastor Walter read at the beginning of the service last week from Psalms. Change my heart, oh God. Remind me, Lord, that I can't do this. Only you can. Remind our people that we can't do this. Only you can. They were devoted to the word of God. I beg you, church family, as I have said this to myself as I was typing this up, if we are not devoted to prayer, much like those of we see here in this early church, we need to start doing it. So I beg you to come before the Lord and ask him, Father, change that in me. Change my heart, O oh God. And devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to speaking to your Father. Crying out to him. Next, and I'll hurry up. They had a selfless love and generosity for others. A selfless love and generosity for others. Look at verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. We saw earlier they were devoted to one another and they had all things in common. And we see here in verse 45 how they would literally sell their possessions and their belongings and they distributed, distributed them to any time a need arose. They demonstrated to each other and to a lost world around them that the early church was a generous people. Why the need to be so generous? God talks about it in his word. Why should we be so generous? Well, for goodness sakes, look what was generously given to us. When we were full of sin, destined for separation from God, just as I said last week, but God, God intervened and provided the way through Christ Jesus' atoning work on the cross. God generously gave to us what we didn't deserve. You and I deserve eternal death and punishment. We don't deserve eternity with God. You understand that, right? But God in His grace and mercy... Even when we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Praise God for that. Now, this didn't mean that the people within the church that didn't own excuse me, this did not mean that people within the church didn't own their own property or they couldn't keep it anymore because some still did. It's not a verbatim like you have to go and give everything away. But it does mean that if we've got a little bit extra surplus, what are we doing with it? 
We can't take it with us when we die. If you've got some extra surplus and you see somebody in need, give it to the person. As the Lord leads you, be generous. Be willing to give to those that are in need, especially those within the body of Christ. Again, this is our family. We must continue to build a growing culture in our love and devotion to one another so that we can be aware of needs when they arise from people within our family, from people within our community. See, here's the beautiful thing of what God's been doing over the last several months, church. God has been bringing together an answer to prayer that I have prayed for years, that we would have unity and collaboration on more than a surface level of our sister churches. And thanks be to God, it's not just my prayers, it's been prayers of many other saints. God's answering that. And we have brother and sister congregations. We have one that meets in this sanctuary before our service that we have allowed to have a space to worship. If we have big needs that we know that arise outside of the walls of our building, we say, that is too big for us. We've got a brotherhood and sisterhood of our churches right here, our brothers and sisters that gather, that we can come together to meet those needs. But especially right here within our local body, if you have a need, brother or sister, let it be known, and let's see what we can do to help you. And I'm not just talking about, like, hey, I don't have any clothes. I'm talking about, hey, my life is spiraling out of control. And I need somebody to come alongside of me and just help me to see God in the midst of it. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. I love Paul's writings to the church at Corinth when he says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Points to what I said just a moment ago about what Jesus has done. Jesus, rich in his heavenly kingdom, became poor by coming to this earth to be betrayed, mocked, beaten, spat upon, and flogged before the wrath of God was poured out of him after being nailed to a cross so that you and I, when we confess him as our Lord and repent of our sin, have the promise of a rich inheritance in heaven. What a glorious gift that we don't deserve. Amen. Very next thing, a devotion to worship. A devotion to worship. I'm almost done. 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. First part of 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. We see this continual build upon all these devotions. They're devoted to all of these things. They're generous people, and they're devoted to worship. They're devoted to gathering at the times day by day, day by day, every single day. They were devoted to going to the temple to worship. They were devoted to coming together and having times of praise and worship together. They were devoted to breaking bread together and sharing the Lord's Supper 
They were devoted to praising God because they knew what God had done for them. Of course the apostles knew. Of course that 120 that was there right when Jesus ascended to heaven. But can you imagine for a minute those 3,000 souls that were just saved? Can you imagine them in that moment? Yes, the others, of course. But those 3,000 that just heard the gospel proclaimed and they were saved in that moment. Man, do you remember the moment you were saved? Do you remember the moment or the time period when you came to faith? Man, you wanted to jump for joy, did you not? Baptist or not, we wanted to jump for joy. Because we knew that we had been saved from eternal punishment. God has promised to redeem his people. Wait a minute, now I'm one of the redeemed. Of course they were devoted to worship. Of course they were devoted to it because they knew what God had done for them. So it leads me to the other question. Church family, are we devoted to worship? And I'm not just talking about standing up and singing songs. That's a major part of the worship. But in your daily life, day by day, are you devoted to just praising God when you just get hit with the fact, man, I was on a fast track to hell and God saved my soul. Thank you, Lord. Forty-seven A says that they had favor with all the people. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. When you have favor with someone, what happens? If you've earned somebody's favor, what happens? They don't ignore you. They pay attention to you. They're on the alert. They're like, wait a minute. Hey, I respect him. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. She demonstrates a, a life of, of good character. She's earned my favor. I, I want to know what, what's up with her. Imagine what's happening in this moment. Which leads me to the very last point, and it's a very quick one, a devotion to evangelism. Because the very last part of verse 47, the Lord added to their, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship with one another. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to doing whatever was needed to be a generous people. They were devoted to worship to God. And because of all those things, they had earned favor with the people. Now, I will go ahead and tell you, moving forward in Acts, you're going to see where there are some people that don't have no favor. <laughs> they don't have favor with certain people. There's going to be moments of suffering and pain, and the reality is that's the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. But here in this moment, it talks about all these things that they're devoted to and the lives that they're living and putting on display before the people. It wasn't for show. It was earnest living. It was how they lived their life, earnestly pursuing the Father, earnestly being devoted to all these things, and they earned favor with the people. And God added to their number day by day those who were being saved.
we must have a devotion to all the things that I've said today. And through that, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be some overwhelming program that we have to wrap our mind around and then present it like it's a PowerPoint presentation at 8 o'clock in the morning at work. Anybody ever been in an 8 o'clock presentation on a Monday morning at work? It's boring, is it not? It is. We don't have to think that proclaiming our faith is something that we've got to have every single fact right. We've got the paper ready. All right, I'm going to tell you this and this. It gets to the point where it's just this worn out thing. Sharing our faith should just be the overflow of the abundance of our joy that we have through what Jesus has done for us. You have a story. Your story is different than your story. Your story is different than your story. Your story is different than your story. Your story is different than my story. Every one of our stories is different. But if you're in Christ, you have a story of redemption of where God has saved your soul. And it's the best news that you've ever encountered in your life. So just share it. Just share it. Be devoted to the things that we've covered today and an overflow of the abundance of the joy of your heart through those things. God's going to give you opportunities. Brian, I don't ever have an opportunity to proclaim my faith. I doubt that, but if you feel that way, the moment you wake up in the morning, open your Bible, go to pray before the Lord and ask the Father, Lord, today I'm begging you for an opportunity just to have one gospel conversation with somebody. When I say gospel conversation, that just means an opportunity to share your faith. Remember, we've said it time and time again from this pulpit, you are not responsible for their salvation. You are responsible to proclaim the gospel because Jesus, before he ascended, gave that last command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So no matter how scary you think it may be, proclaim the gospel. Brian, I'm not going to have all the answers. Tell the person I don't know the answer to that and call me, call Walter, call your family deacon, call your mom, call your cousin, call somebody you know that's a Christian and say, hey, I need help with this. This person asked me this. Please help me. Because your brothers and sisters are devoted to you and they want to help you. And go back to the person and just say, hey, this is what it was. Don't be afraid. Can you imagine what would happen if every one of us were just devoted to these simple things? Earnestly pursuing the Father daily. And as God gives us the opportunity, we just proclaim the good news of the gospel. What God could do through this body of believers. We're about to approach in October... 75-year celebration. We've already hit that marker back in June. 75 years this church has been here. And all throughout those 75 years, there's been ups, there's been downs. Many of you in these pews have been here for those 75 years or close to it. Members of our church family that are still apart and living that maybe are in a, in a, in a nursing home or something, they, they can say, hey, I remember when. 
It's good to reflect on those things from the past. Do I want to have this place packed like it was in X year? Yeah. But before we get to that point, we have got to be devoted to these things. Trusting God in the process and asking the Lord to use us day by day. Amen.